Hier komen we in vreemd. This is Red Flag Radio. My name is Rose Ward. We're recording the show uh, in Melbourne, Australia, on Indigenous land that was stolen and never ceded. That always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And on this special episode featuring highlights from previous Marxism conferences, we've chosen to um, enjoy uh, the um, session that happened in Marxism 2012. And I know we talk about some of these highlights and we've said they're kind of like, uh, you, you know, um, make the hairs on the back of your arm stand up kind of vibe. Well, Malalai Joya, kind of just being around her <laughs> made me feel a bit yeah. like that. Yeah, okay. And some of the ways that she's been described, and I was thinking uh, part of the reason for choosing this episode is because of the revelations in the Brereton report and the discussion in Australia that's hardly happened, to be honest, about the atrocities committed by Australian troops in Afghanistan, um, that Malalai Joya's experience of fighting the occupation uh, since it began um, would be something worth revisiting. I mean, she talked about, uh, and you'll hear this in the clip, um, and she's talked about it a lot, that basically... Um, all of the leaders of the main groups trying to control Afghanistan would prefer that she was dead. She's had multiple assassination attempts. Um, she's been described as Afghanistan's most outspoken uh, member of parliament that she was previously. Um, and she's been an activist for a long time in in 2003, when she was just 25, she publicly denounced the Taliban and the warlords that have emerged or had emerged at that time to try to take control of the country with American backing. Um, she was actually elected to parliament, but then two years later kicked out of parliament because she just kept criticising the corrupt Afghan government. So she's sort of had to live since then semi-underground. She has toured the world. She's been to Australia a couple of times um, and she was named in 2010 by Time magazine as one of the 100 most influential people in the world. And she was really, um, when she came to Marxism 2012, I was working on the media team, volunteering to help do some media. And she was just incredibly um humble about all of these experiences and you will hear that in the clip but also sort of humble but um the depth of her determination I think also shines through when you hear her speak um and she has always said there should be no foreign troops in Afghanistan and that all of the lies and the bullshit about going to Afghanistan to liberate women or whatever is absolute crap and she talks about that as well in this clip. Uh, and obviously, you know, the troops remain and something that um, we're still talking about in 2020. So, Liam, would you like to say anything about Malalai before we listen to her? 
yeah, I mean, just to echo everything you said, she's one of the most amazing and heroic figures that I've ever had, uh, you know, the privilege to stand a meter from. Yes. Yeah. And, and just, and all, but also, I guess, you know, in, in a more political pertinent point that, as you say, you know, the, the news about the war crimes that carried out by Australian soldiers in Afghanistan would, should have been no surprise to anybody. Uh, and certainly for people like Malalai, um, this was something that she was kind of shouting from the rooftops, you know, for over a decade. Mm. Well, let's have a listen. Um, so this is Marxism 2012, Malalai Joya. Thank you, thanks for the introduction. Hello, everyone. Nice to meet you all. Uh, I would like to thank uh, Socialist Alternative for giving me uh, their tribune Marxism 2012 uh, to bring the message of suffering people of Afghanistan and its unfortunate moment to you. I belong to a land of tragedies which has been a playground for world powers in the past 30 years. And Afghan people, especially women, have been the prime victims throughout these bloody years. The consequences of the 10 years of US occupation were more bloodshed crimes, women rights, human rights violations, which doubled the sorrows of our people. During these bloody years, tens of thousands of innocent civilians have been killed by occupation forces and terrorist groups. But the US and NATO are only after their own strategic, military, economic, and regional interests and sacrifice my suffering nation for reaching their bloody goals. The US and its allies occupied Afghanistan under the name of so-called War on Terror. But today, they confess that Taliban are not their enemies. That's true. I have said in the past that the Taliban and other terrorist groups are all products of the White House and they are only enemies of Afghan people and not their foreign masters. All fundamentalist terrorist bands in Afghanistan from Mullah Omar to Hekmatyar and Osama and those in power like Mohakek, Khalili, Fahim, Dostum, Ismail Khan, Abdullah, Amrullah Saleh, Sayyaf, etc. were created, armed, nourished and empowered by the US and other Western governments during the Cold War. And the US still relies on them, as they are the only sold-out groups who become slaves of any power in exchange of dollars and power. There are many media hikes all over the world for the matter of 16 civilians, mostly women and children, in Kandahar province. They even go on saying they will execute this matter all these claims are meaningless for our people because such crimes would continue to rise as long as the U.S. occupation continues and their fundamentalist soldiers are in power. This is not the first time that such a horrendous crime has been committed against our people. Since the past 10 years, they have massacred tens of thousands of innocent children, women, and men. People know this very well, that wherever U.S. goes, it only brings destruction, destitution, and death. So this comes as no surprise. U.S. soldiers uniting on corpses is much more infuriating for our people. And what is even more disgusting is when they argue that burning Quran is not in the army's ethics. But uniting on corpses 
cutting body parts as trophies and killing innocent men and women is? The biggest crime and worst treason of all is the creation and continuous nourishment of jihadi warlords, misogynist Taliban, and criminal Bulbudin, and more importantly, it tears the mask of democracy the U.S. government wears. This is a much more unpardonable crime for our people than killing of 16 civilians. All these atrocities emerge from the criminal U.S. government who have a blood-illustained history. The way, the way they turned Iraq into ashes, the attrition against Libya by occupying the country and steering a glorious and anti-dictatorship revolution into disaster and installing their own dirty puppets. And the, way, and the way they threatened to invade Syria and their collaboration with Al-Qaeda and criminals is unforgivable treason to the people of these three countries. The situation of women is getting worse day by day. Kidnapping, rapes, self-evolution, acid attacks, domestic violences, and many other violence increase against women uh, rapidly. It's also the most dangerous place to be a woman, according to UNIFAM. Afghanistan is the worst place to become a mother in the whole world, and according to the State of the World Mothers 2011 report, 50 mothers die every day in Afghanistan while giving birth. Recently, a 22-year-old girl from whole province was hanged to death after facing much domestic violences. An 18-year-old teacher in Bahrain province was gang-raped by armed men. Two small girls, one of them a six-year-old girl, and a woman were raped by local commanders in Tahar province. A man asked his wife to date by chopping off her fingers and toes. Fifteen-year-old Sadat, a newlywed bride, committed self-immolation to escape her miseries. This is just the tip of the iceberg, and such crimes are increasing at a skyrocketing rate, but hardly reach media, because misogynist criminals kill, kidnap, or trick to date any journalist who prints such reports. Many of you may have heard the story of 15-year-old Sahar Gold's suffering, who was currently tortured by her husband. Locked up in a dark windowless room, her nails and hair pulled out and big chunks of the flesh on her body had been cut out with pliers. 21-year-old Gulnaz was raped by a relative and when he complained, the government put her in prison and accused of adultery and sentenced her to 12 years jail while the rapist is sentenced to three years. Gulnaz gave birth to a child in prison and when a foreign journalist publicized her case, the court puts a condition before her. If you marry the man who raped you, your sentence will be reduced to three years. As this story was widely covered by media and was a shame to the government, President Karzai intervened and released her from jail while thousands of other Afghan women with similar cases suffer in Afghan jails.
There was a lot of youth pride created from for them, but there are thousands of Sahar girls and Golnaz in Afghanistan who are killed, raped, kidnapped, tortured, and face extreme kind of violences, but they made their stories uh, to headline because it didn't have any backing from any warlord. They were ordinary men, otherwise they would have silenced the news in the most shameless way. Recently, a bunch of misogynist ulamas, the so-called religious scholars, passed a restrictive code that includes not allowing women to walk on the streets without a male company and increasing separation of men and women and cause a welfare These anti-women ulamas do not think of horrific crimes that are being committed against young girls and women and further intensifying the women's rights disaster. Helping Afghan women is only part of the propaganda campaign of the Western powers to justify their presence in Afghanistan. But in practice, the well-being of Afghan women has no value for them. But it's my strong belief that one day, these women will rise and fight for their rights and against all oppression and violences of brutal fundamentalists Madras, Taliban, and the criminal mafia regime. <laughs> According to official statistics, over $65 billion of foreign aid have been poured into the country for rebuilding of Afghanistan. But most of this aid have been looted by warlords, dragons, and national and international NGOs. Afghanistan is the second most corrupt country in the world and the most corrupt in our history. The governor of Kabul, Ahmadullah Ali Zai, is collecting money from people to build the historical sites of Kabul, including Dalaman Palace. This shows the shamelessness of this dirty, corrupt to the Mero regime that may never exist elsewhere. Khalil Fitrat, governor of Central Bank, fled to U.S. after looting millions of dollars and U.S. took him in its arms. Similarly, the pilgrimage minister Sadiq Chakari's obvious corruption was exposed. He ran off to UK via. He was warmly welcomed. In these 10 years, the U.S. puppets have changed Afghanistan into the center of narcotics and the world. Since 2001, the production of opium increased over 4,400% in my country. It was the U.S. policy to specialize Afghanistan in drug production because they get hundreds of billions of dollars every year from Afghan opium industry, while our poor people's lives are destroyed. I believe opium is more dangerous than Al-Qaeda and terrorism, and more than war kills and spies the lives of the people. Around 2 million out of 30 million population of Afghanistan are addicted and many of them are women and children. US and NATO tells us they will leave Afghanistan by mid of 2014, but it is a big lie and make fool of their own people. We know that the US and its allies are there for their own interests. Even if they are mobilizing the Afghan army and police, it is just to use them as cannon fodders to decrease their own soldiers' casualties. 
They want to change Afghanistan into their military base and intelligence base in Asia. It's enough to show the hypocrisy of the U.S. government to you. As long as we have U.S. military presence in Afghanistan, we have no independence. In a country which has no independence, talking about democracy, human rights, human rights, social justice, and many other values are a painful joke. I believe that the only solution to Afghanistan is that troops should withdraw, because their presence is making our fight for justice much harder by empowering reactionary, brutal, and dark-minded forces that are great obstacles for true democratic-minded elements and forces. So, some may say that Taliban may get back to power and a civil war will break, but my people, despite being wounded, tired, and hopeless of all the wars, will fight steadfastly till the end against these terrorists because of the hatred they have for them. And history bears witness that only the nation can liberate themselves. Democracy and justice can't be imposed by a foreign power that's too by the U.S., which has a history of overthrowing democratic regimes and imposing dictators and murderers on countless nations of the world since Second World War. glorious uprising like Middle East countries against fundamentalist dictators and their guardians. As right now we are witnessing a small uprising in Kuna province, in Tahar, Ningarhar, Pekdiyat, Logar, Farah, Herat, Ghazni, Helmand, and many other provinces, which is increasing and a big source of hope for all of us. Therefore, it is a duty of freedom-loving, democratic, and progressive forces of Afghanistan to organize and unite people to struggle for their independence, freedom, liberty, and democracy. Without organization, revolution is not possible. I am sure that if Occupy Wall Street and Arab Spring is completely spontaneous, it will find its organization like the revolution in Soviet Union, China, that was led by a strong party with principles, the main center of leadership. A revolution that wants to bring fundamental change without a people's organization is impossible. Someone who says there should be no rebellion or mobilization of people is wrong, even if this is from the Marxist basis. It is a very strong, fundamental, and indisputable kind, not only for the leftists, I believe uh, also for the right wings too. Those who disagree with organizing people in the Arab Spring and Occupy Wall Street finally reach to disagreeing with Marxism too. Why? Because enemies of oppressed people are imperialists and fundamentalists who have organized themselves to fight against them. Just the same way that oppressors have their own war machine, we need to have our own too. from basis of Marxist fundamentals, but I'm sure about one thing, that ordinary people, laymen raised the slogan Occupy Wall Street, which is the symbol of capitalism, economy, and financial power of the US, who is owners or the one person. If they would have had some other slogan, it would never be so fundamental and shake the US government. 
Mr. Francis Fukuyama, on behalf of the U.S. and its allies, announced that the end of history after the downfall of the Soviet Union was unbelievable happiness. But these ridiculous claims of Mr. Fukuyama were proved wrong. How is it possible that when 99% of the people of the world will be under the rule of the 1% parasite, and this 99% does not struggle against this 1%? Opposing his claims of end of history, we have witnessed greater and wider people's struggle in almost all continents from Africa to South America to Asia, Europe, Australia, and in the very heart of the U.S., the Wall Street. Economists say that every wealth and value produced by workers, the 99% of the population are seized by the 1% owners of corporations. The 99% no longer can buy these products and the rich do not invest further. This is why financial crisis is created. Capitalism can cure this crisis temporarily by introducing, sorry, introducing new economic strategies, but today's crisis is not is out of their control and the only way left for the capitalists of the US and its allies is to start a war to heal their wounds. It's clear that when we witness the truth of manifesto, communist manifesto, when it says that capitalists produce their own grave diggers. We now see that the grave diggers have started their struggle against these 500 corporations to bury them. But they have just started and their fight is very tortuous. As Mao Zedong says, the future is bright, but the road is tortuous. I have read that that anti-war movements during Vietnam War and after have always been huge, but have never shaken the U.S. from its roots. But this was a direct attack on the U.S. who invaded Iraq, who tells its soldiers to urinate on victim dead bodies, the U.S. who kills the heroic fighters of Congo, the U.S. who overthrows Dr. Mossadegh in Iran, the U.S. who owes Arvins in Guatemala and replaces it with their own puppets. The U.S. who massacres tens of thousands of Chile communist fighters. The U.S. who runs rivers of blood in Indonesia, removed Sukarno and brought the bloody dictator Suharto. Even now, the U.S. changed the Arab Spring in Tunisia and Egypt and Libya into Arab Ottoman winter. The real revolution movement degenerated and decayed due to a lack of the organization and the U.S. gave it in the hands of its own dirty puppets. The real revolution was debated, though Ben Ali, Hosni Mubarak, and Gaddafi are jailed or killed, but the criminals, criminal puppet regime was never uprooted. But I believe it is not the end because Arab Spring was brought about by consciousness of people's grassroots movements and it would grow and rise again and uproot the fascist regime. <laughs> On these basis, this Occupy Wall Street is unprecedented movement because it has 
taken over the hearts of the enemies of U.S. people and people of the world. And their slogan, Occupy Wall Street, is the deepest and most glorious slogan in the U.S. history. If we had a U.S. without a horrible bloody crimes in Wall Street, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Libya, Indonesia, Ecuador, Congo, and Chile, it would be one of the most prosperous and developed nations. The material and moral culture of U.S. people is the fruits of hand and framework of the majority. But now when the people of U.S. sees its power and influence and the fitters of these heinous bringing blood, pain, and destruction to the people of the world, and U.S. itself suffers under a police state, the strong fist of U.S. people, especially its workers, has risen and will overthrow this Wall Street regime. The biggest economic and military power of the US of the world, which is only for the 1%, falls in the hands of the 99%. It will be the brightest and greatest day for all of us. When John Lennon sings Imagine, he may have wished something like this. <laughs> I, as a person who has suffered the pain of the US occupation and its fundamentalist stages, just like the people of Iran. Iraq, Libya, Congo, and Indonesia, I hope that this movement becomes victorious and we may witness the biggest revolution of the poor and downtrodden, downtrodden people in the human history, larger than Paris Commune, Soviet Union, and China Revolution. Yes. From my own country's experience, one of the root causes that these criminal fundamentalists are in power is that during the war led by revolutionaries against Soviet Union and could not unfortunately unite into a single organization and neither could one of the organizations become an alternative for the people. You might have heard the traitorous criminal words of Shirel Bernard the wife of Zalmay Khaliza, when she says, the reason we don't have moderate leaders in Afghanistan today is because we let the Nats kill them all. They killed the leftists, the moderate, the middle of the rulers. They were just eliminated during the 1980s and afterward. She expresses the horrific crimes of the US in such a way. I think that if the democratic forces were united even on a limited scale, U.S. wouldn't commit its crimes and implement its demonic plans so easily. Even now, the situation is similar. The U.S. and its puppet regime want to bring the Taliban, ex-Soviet puppets, Hulk and Pachum, and Gorbidin, and complete the circle of fundamentalism, treachery, and war. Even though there are different Marxist organizations but they are not united and have a strong disagreement amongst themselves. And not even one of them is strong enough as an alternative. But the people's force against this government will become the invincible power once they unite either as a front organization or a party. That is not important. 
But until then, fundamentalism will rule. If a fundamentalist in Iran or Afghanistan wears a turban, cloth, or a necktie, they are all closely tied to capitalism in jackals of the same hole. Fundamentalists themselves say that private property is sacred in Islam and agrarian reforms is devil's work. And as you know, the devil is a communist. <laughs> it's here that we know that fundamentalism's unbelievable court is tied to the U.S. financial capital and with the end of U.S. imperialism, fundamentalism will be annihilated too. We have always seen that leftists have been vanguards in the fight against imperialism and for freedom and democracy. But unfortunately, now I see some leftists are defending every reactionary and fundamentalist elements in the name of the struggle against imperialism and go to such extent to even supporting Al-Qaeda, Taliban, terrorists and bloody Iranian regime who chants anti-US slogans for its own demagogic benefits. I'm inviting, I'm inviting such people, if they dare, they should come and see a close-up of the Taliban criminals who execute women over trees, stone them to death, publicly flog them, train them, train ten years old boys to slaughter and become suicide bombers. They would realize that they are even more anti-democratic, anti-freedom, and anti-left than uh, their imperialist masters and consider the leftist fighters one of their main enemies. I think these men and women do not pay attention that when they are attaching their hopes to Taliban in Afghanistan or criminal fundamentalist regime in Iran can never be a darker fate for the people of these countries. In my opinion, defending fundamentalism against the U.S.'s as treacherous and harmful being as being with U.S. against fundamentalism. Defending Taliban or the Iran regime or Al-Qaeda in the final analysis is treasure to the people of Afghanistan, Iran, and countries under Al-Qaeda's influence, and they are actually servants of the imperialism and will be annihilated when imperialism is uprooted. I want to say this loud and clear that the leftists who support Taliban and Al-Qaeda and Iran regime against the U.S. are in the ranks of the enemies of both Afghan and Iranian people. They are shame for Marxism and every other revolutionary theory. As Samir Amin says, their youth and their allies' courage was decisive in drawing 15 million Egyptians from all the districts of big and small cities and even villages into demonstrations of protesting in lasting days and some nights, sometimes nights, on end. And I believe that in every place this courage is decisive and a constant struggle is the key to victory. So now I would like to ask all peace-loving, justice-seeking and democratic-minded organizations, groups, parties and individuals to join their hands with progressive, democratic-minded forces of Afghanistan that need your support and solidarity. I believe, as Martin Luther King said, 
and on truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. This is why right, temporarily defeated, is stronger than evil triumphant. Heartful thanks once again for your solidarity and support. So that was Malalai Joya, Afghan activist, incredible person, and, um, you know, one of the types of people that we get to speak at Marxism conferences because I think they recognize, and I know Malalai, I talked to her at the end of the conference, she was just like, whoa, this is amazing that hundreds of people are here in Melbourne talking about such radical politics together and wanting to know what's happening in the rest of the world and so committed to ending the war in Afghanistan and ending all wars and, you know, in a way, um, international speakers, I think, are often surprised by the politics um, of the Marxism conference and the size of it. And so if you haven't ever been to one before, you have an opportunity in 2021, Easter weekend, MarxismConference.org is the website. The program is there. The speakers are being added all of the time, so you can keep checking. You can look at the just breadth of topics that are covered, and you can get your tickets. And even if you are unsure what you're going to be doing in Easter in 2021, um, you can buy a ticket to just support the fact that a conference like this exists and we could bring people like Malai Joya um, to share their experiences with us. So... Hope you found that uh, as inspiring as uh, we did. And um, thanks again for listening to Red Flag Radio. We have a world to win. <laughs>